Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! <laughs> Hello, Roger. Hello, Troy. How are we today? I'm good. It's been forever, but I know we've both been kind of, you know, busy. But here we are back to talk about probably the best film we've re- <laughs> we've reviewed so far. Uh, I would say in the in terms of acting alone, uh, leagues above the rest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the invitation. Who? I mean, come on. But, yeah, uh, get out of here. <laughs> but no, um, hope you're doing well. Like I said, it's been a while, but we're back, ready to, to dive in. And, you know, this is the perfect month. Uh, you know, Hall- perfect. Halloween's approaching quickly, and I can't believe that October's almost over. Um, yeah. where, where is this year gone? But on the other hand, this year cannot end fucking soon enough. Get the fuck out of here and bring on 2021, which for all we know will just be worse. Probably, but, you know, probably. fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed that it is just an evolutionary year that maybe starts off with some new leadership, hope for change. Right now I'm fearing the fact that the, the Supreme Court may in fact roll back gay marriage, something that's been discussed lately. That has me terrified. So, you know, hoping for a better year altogether. But right now, we do have little things to celebrate, and one of them, I would say, is Slaughter High. You've never seen this, Jim, have you? This was I've never seen one. it. How have I avoided this one? I don't know. I mean, come on, you, and you call yourself a horror fan? I mean, get out of here. Shame on me. Shame on me. So, uh, real quick, before we dive into this, I, I just want to—I want the fans to know that um, you, sir, just got nominated for. Um, another award for best director is that is that the case yeah yes at at the montreal requiem festival montreal. yeah right I felt, we're going international with this no i felt fancy as fuck i'm like oh my gosh i didn't even realize i mean i never didn't expect that at all because they accepted a lot of i think they accepted like um because of covid they accepted yeah. like pretty much every film that got submitted. So wow. we're talking, you know, I mean, I run a festival myself, the Houston Horror Film Festival with my friend Tony. And, you know, our first year we got pff, almost 200 submissions. So I can imagine what they got because they, you know, their, their, their submission fee was like super like five bucks. So I was very yeah. honored, very pleased with that. So that's really cool. Yeah, I just I felt it. We, we I I don't want to forget it and not mention it later on after we get caught up in the nonsense that is Slaughter High. Um, but I felt like we des- we you deserve that moment of recognition because God love you, you do deserve it. Well, thank you. And you know, oh, and and yeah, just to let everyone know, teacher shortage will be out October twenty seventh, finally on DVD. Yes. So look for it, pre ordered on Amazon. Any retailer, I believe, will have it available. So. But yeah, enough about that. We got to talk about Slaughter High. What are you getting me into with this movie? <laughs> like, I seriously I sat and I watched it and I was like, 
I, I, it explains so much about Troy and who he is and what he loves. And, and, um, you know, honestly, man, um, uh, I, I can't even say I have any issues with it. I don't because I wouldn't want it any other way, <laughs> but God, what a, what a crock of bullshit in the best way possible, in the best way possible, the acting, everything. We'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> well, we'll get, we'll get into it because it's, it's, you know, and this might say even more about me than you probably, you know, but it's probably one of the slasher films I've seen the most in my life. Just yeah. let's put it that way. There's just, there's just some something just absurd and endearing about it that you just gotta you just gotta love it. Um, but let's get into it. That you know, the, the, let's get into it. I'm going to introduce it by that wonderful score by um, you know the Friday the Thirteenth composer uh, who did the the score for Friday the Thirteenth. His name is escaping me right now. Henry Manfredini, Harry Manfredini. I believe, and that wonderful near, 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 near. Yeah, okay. With the subtle jingle of a bell every once in a while, and I use the term subtle loosely. <laughs> okay, so if you haven't seen Slaughter High, again, as we, we preface with every episode, you might want to go watch this gem right away because your, yeah. life is, your life is incomplete if you have not seen this film. Absolutely. <laughs> But it's it's let's I'll give it a very basic plot synopsis. We Slaughter High deals with uh, Marty Ranson, who is a you know the the nerd of the school, um, Do, uh, Doddsville High School, and he's you know the 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 one that gets picked on all the time. And you gotta love Marty. He's he's has that adorable vibe to him. He's giving and, us a subtle a subtle performance, a very withheld performance. Well, and and, and full frontal nudity. We ha- we can't within the that. first five minutes. We yeah. get dick within the first five minutes in this movie. I would not have expected that. But anyway, so very simple plot. Uh, the the group of jocks who all look about fifty. Um, <laughs> they. They play a mean joke on Marty. The, the film opens with him being seduced by the beautiful Carol, played by Carolyn Monroe. And uh, she gets him in the girls' locker room. And, you know, all, once she gets him to undress, all of the jocks come and film him and, you know, make fun of him and, you know, dump his head in the toilet. And the, uh, the gym teacher comes and breaks it up. And because they get detention sort of like Carrie, they want to get their extra little revenge. So they give Marty a um, marijuana joint that's laced with something that makes it explode when he smokes it. We got to say that he's in this science lab with all of these dangerous chemicals that are just on shelves with no lids on them or anything. (laughs) They blatantly, like there is a bottle (laughs) that he, he grabs at one point that in giant red font says, (laughs) <laughs> nitric acid on it and like it is placed very 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 like loosely at the top corner of a high shelf without a cap on it and i'm just it's such bad choices are being made within the first five minutes of the film but yeah very precarious anyways so his they then they, they mess with the science experiment and what happens is it explodes the nitric acid falls splashes in his face he gets disfigured um in a very that's a very actually kind of effective scene when you see him laying on the floor and he reaches and grabs the um the bar the that's on. Pipe. yeah ew, yeah that yeah. always gets to me yeah so he's disfigured flash forward 10 years later all of the uh the the, the students who still look 50 uh, who now are, look of age yeah. <laughs> now they look of age yeah well but they they are invited to a reunion at the high school 
They all arrive and they find that the high school looks like it's been closed for 30 years, despite the fact <laughs> that, this is, that this is only five. 10 years later. But the, and even the, they say it's been about five years, but even still, like a question I already had is if my like high school were to have closed, would at least not one person within your social circle have been informed that the school to which you graduated from and devoted years of your life to, you know, education within, would you not know that it was closed? Like, how would you come back to this location and be like, huh, reunion, didn't know my school closed, let alone that this reunion is being thrown out of the blue. Like, it's just very confusing. Continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, 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 they arrive and they... Yeah, the school looks. Del- I mean, it's 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 dilapidated, and they go in, and they're the only ones there. And instead of like normal people being like, okay, maybe we should probably just go back home or go celebrate somewhere else, they decide to stay because there is a room that's set up that has all of their pictures and little, you know, beer and little desserts and things like that. And so they stay and, and get the party started, and in good slasher fashion, someone I wonder who in a jester's mask starts killing them off in some of the most absurd ways you will ever see. But it's so fun. So fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, no matter what, it's a very entertaining film. I can't deny that. (laughs) It's basically your traditional revenge, you know, slasher flick. Someone getting revenge on those that have, that wronged him. Um, Yes. Yes. So where do we begin with this gem? I, I mean, I honestly like when I look at my notes. The, the the first thing I see, literally, my first note is I see we're dealing with some subtle acting here, and across the board, there are big choices made by all individuals involved in this film. Um, but one name that stands out to me, and I think this is the note you'd want to start on as well, would be Stella. And I feel that Stella perfectly encompasses what I would expect from a film of this nature, uh, from her wardrobe choices to her on-again, off-again Southern drawl. <laughs> like, there is a defined drawl that comes out in several lines, but then there's other bits of dialogue where there's no drawl at all. And mm-hmm. it's just very confusing. But, and even the fact that, like, that's the last broad I'd expect to have a topless scene, but they just went all for it. So, um, the, the cast in this though I would say like not necessarily the most skilled batch of actors I've ever seen are very uh, devoted to the moment and very endearing and entertaining. I'll say that like all of them, like skip really devoted to the moment. Like he might make some big choices, but he's like, he never really broke that character. It's all very consistent in that sense. Like there's some uh, really over the top choices made, but it's all kind of, it, it helps form like the overall uh, vibe that this movie is selling us, you know, like this movie is not trying to be subtle. There's nothing subtle about this film to begin with, which made it very enjoyable for me. No. Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, the characters are very um, distinct. I don't feel like they are your typical, like, even though, you know, they're supposed to be like the popular kids and the jocks, I feel like they're, they're, kind of the, the actors bring something to them that at least make them distinct and memorable. They're not yeah. like your typical disposable slasher film characters that where you can't remember which one is which or who was, you know, yeah. they're very, you know, who's who, you know, skip Stella, you know, Na- uh, Nancy, Carl, yeah. they all have very distinct personalities. Carol, even um, who, yeah. 
probably for me is the weakest link of the film, Carolyn Monroe, which is surprising because, you know, she was kind of the early 80s scream queen, low yeah. grade scream queen. But um, she, uh, you know, is just kind of bland to me. Um, yeah, she she really doesn't have anything to do either. Like, I mean, she, other than be beautiful, she doesn't have a ton to do until like the final, you know, and we'll get to that, you know, to the final chunk of the film other than that she just kind of stands around in that amazing white jumpsuit which was the worst item she could have worn because when it comes to running through shadows and trying to hide she's like a she's like a lighthouse <laughs> like in the distance she's always glowing so um but uh yeah no, i mean she's stunning she's beautiful to look at there are a few characters that i feel because of the volume like this cast is huge and it's distractingly large um and like, so there's a few characters that I feel kind of just got lost in the mix. Like Susan, for example, you know, she like Susan comes mid <clears throat> midway through the whole thing and she walks up into the building and do like, you don't even see, we don't even get a reveal of what happened to her. Do we no. like the hands come out through the wall? You know, there's that moment that, you know, you see her like walking up, she sees the image of Marty and then the hands bust through, but do we get a reveal of like even what happened to her or does it just kind of get lost in, I'm guessing obviously she dies, but like you don't even really see it. It's just more of like the startle moment. And there's no closure to it. And even the character of um, <clears throat> another one was Shirley. <laughs> Shirley has one of like the most, I don't want to say standout death sequences, but death sequences to acknowledge in the film. <laughs> um, but her character, like I almost was like not aware she was there until like all of a sudden she said a line, you know? Um, so a, a few of these characters do get lost in the mix, but that's just because the head count is so high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to mention, yeah, speaking of characters, there is that, there is the jam, the caretaker that just happens to be, you know, at this school. Jamaican? Yeah, and I want to know, do, I, maybe, I, I don't know, this was just a question, do like schools that have been closed for, you know, all these years, do they do they have a caretaker, like living inside? I don't know. That was my question. Um <clears throat> Yeah, he he did give the exposition of like the fact that the, the building was about to be torn down. Like he did give a little bit of that info, but it was very confusing as to how, why he was still there. Um, and it did. T- what's his job? I mean, what is he, what's he doing? Like just wandering the hall, overseeing, I suppose. But obviously, doing a horrible job because he welcomes yeah. the the, the team or the the cast in with like open arms. He's like, if you want to look around, that's fine. And then, but um, I was very put off by his like in my mind, offensive <laughs> Jamaican accent. Like, the only character of color in the film, and they took it all the way. Like, they were like, let's make this as stereotypical as possible. But, I mean, it's the 1980s. What can you expect? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, and he obviously doesn't last long. He's the first no. batched. Um, but then you get the, yeah, and then the group goes, and they, and you know, the the film kind of kicks into gear pretty quickly, I think. Um, you have the character of, um, what's his name? The one that drinks the beer. Um, Honestly, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just know there's so many oh, people. It's Ted. Ted takes a swig yeah. of the beer. He's the first to die in a, in a pretty disgusting way because apparently the beer is actually acid. <laughs> okay, so that's what it was. Because for me, I was like, how is his body erupting? That's very confused. That's what I, I because it causes yeah. it causes his intestines to pop out. Yeah, and then you know what's her name gets splashed with his blood and freaks out and runs. Um, 
and just happens to decide to find a bathtub in the middle of the school. <laughs> which And erotically strip down yeah. and get into it. A pristine bathtub in the middle of this abandoned school. I mean, did you, I don't remember my school having a bathtub. But. Like a lone bathtub in an empty room, like, <laughs> like, like with no explanation whatsoever. Well, that, there's a lot of those little things like that. But yeah, she, so she, surely I think she gets in the bathtub and in a very... Um, <laughs> sensual. Well, sensual, but I'm talking about her death scene. She turns the faucet on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even know what you want to call that. Um, a very oh, elaborate? Um, a very unexpected like that could have gone a lot of directions let's be clear first of all this brings up one issue that is consistent throughout the whole film and it's how does the the killer have such influence on this building's plumbing because the plumbing plays a, a part throughout the whole film constantly spewing blood or acid or nitric acid I'm guessing that was a throwback to what that bottle was that was used you know um, but her like that whole scene really had me cocking my eyebrow a bit. Because A, she busts in there covered in blood, traumatized, chased by somebody. She immediately takes her clothing off without hesitation. She gets into this tub. She finds a bar of soap, which I wouldn't expect to even be in this abandoned school. And she proceeds to bathe for roughly 15 minutes. Like As other things are going on, she goes over herself. She's crying. She's sobbing. She wipes her breasts. She's rubbing them. She bathes. She rinses. Then she does it again. Like she does several. She does several. Which I guess if I had an intestine erupt on me, I'd respond maybe similarly. But like she gives it plenty of time for that killer to hook up. Well, whatever's coming out of that sink. How did he know? I mean, I don't know. I guess it's how do you know that somebody yeah. would end up in that bathtub? I guess it's just best not to think about it. But he does. <laughs> Fingers crossed that somebody bathes while they're here. Yes. In this particular bathroom. Um but yeah, and then the acid comes out of the faucet and she is <laughs> she is dissolved. <laughs> She's disintegrated. The woman is literally disintegrated. And I feel very bad for her in this whole sequence. Like, she's just pathetic. She lives her life. <laughs> like, she, like, does, like, kind of like a... You know when you're in a bathtub as a kid and you play mermaid yeah. and you, like, lift your fin out? She does, and she's like, oh, no. My <laughs> but then she puts them back down. And she very, like, instead of log rolling out of the tub, she, like, attempts to stand up and then she just submerges herself. <laughs> oh, surely. But yes, she literally disintegrates into a skeleton within like five seconds. <laughs> With an amazing claymation like face melt mm-hmm. that I was not anticipating. And literally, I'm it's like, very reminiscent of uh, <laughs> Evil Dead, you know, the claymation stuff in the Evil yes. Dead. But it's, 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 a, yes. it's a sight to behold, that's for sure. Yes. Um, it's one of the standout moments in the yeah. film. So the other group, <laughs> so the other group, the other uh, characters are doing their own thing. And Oh, can we mention the fact that it's April Fool's Day? Okay. That's, and in fact, a little bit of trivia is the film was originally called April Fool's Day, but they had to change the title because of the other April April Fool's Day that Paramount put out. So they they changed the title. So it's April Fool's Day. It happens to be Marty's birthday. And once the characters catch on that, hey, Marty must be doing this to get revenge, my question is, when... Since when does April Fool's Day end at noon? It's one of my big, my yeah. top notes. Is this a rule or is this a rule I, that the movie created? No, because the they movie. keep saying we just have to make it till noon, and then he can't he can't touch us. 
because that's the rule. I'm like, yeah. who, what? I, I don't. Yeah, that's very, that's bullshit. I've never <laughs> heard of that. I definitely think that that's something they craft, they concocted so they could keep, they could have a, uh, what they would think to be a reasonable storyline. Um, but it only made it more convoluted in the long run. Yeah, I was very confused and by then that. She as well. even says, "Oh, well, he stuck to the rules so far. What are the, by by killing your friends and you know and <laughs> <laughs> there's no rules. There's no rules to April Fools. There's no like the whole thing is just to make it is to play jokes on people. If anything, he's taken the rules and he's horribly yeah. abused them. He's murdering people oh, yeah. <laughs> and in yeah in very elaborate ways." So I'm trying to think. Oh, so the, the, you get uh, Carl, who happens to get out of the school mm-hmm. and runs to the car, and Marty just yeah. happens to know that Carl's going to get in that car because he's in the back seat already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, so, he's very good at predicting the elaborate things that yes. are about to happen. So Carl's dispatched with a spear through his through the seat and comes out of his. Yeah. Seat, yeah. So okay, he's disposable, whatever. But you get in this, and there's some weird dynamic with you know Stella is supposed to be with um her is her, Joe. She got married. She She's got with married Joe, but Joe. she wants Frank. But yeah, she wants Frank. Yeah. And after, oh god, it's just so it's just so ridiculous. Um, because Joe is killed when he's trying to work on the tractor or whatever that thing. <laughs> that they want to use to plow yeah. through the door, but that doesn't yeah. go anywhere. Well, he's killed. Yeah. Um, and Stella, yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. But then Stella. Yeah. You would think that she would be like, "Oh, where's Joe? Where's Joe? He hasn't, you know, where's he at?" But no, what she what she do? She goes and with Frank, and they they <laughs> they have sex in a room with a bed just in the middle of it just set up ready to go again unexpected and set up also set up for a very specific yeah. kill sequence yet again how does the jester know that all of these things are going to unfold it's very confusing but it does make for a very entertaining sequence and stella with her may west like okay. appeal <laughs> and her powers of seduction beyond what i would anticipate um i'll say this like joe when i saw joe like in that that like white tee, I was like, okay, that body's kicking. Like that guy had some big arms. And then like Frank, when he stripped down and I saw that fuzzy butt, I was like, okay, I get it too. Stella's on top of her game. Like Stella's got some kind of charm that I can't put my finger on, but she's luring all the quality meat. And um, she must, yeah, man, I mean, she's a seductress. Oh, she's, yeah. Well, and then, you know, she, <laughs> you know, there's this, oh, talk dirty to me, talk dirty. And he's like, uh, come uh, ball. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, yeah. Fuck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have these people ever had intercourse before? It's very yeah. weird. <laughs> At least Stella knows what she wants, though. She's like, "Come on." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, well, and then when, as they're orgasming, they grab the the bed, the metal bed frame, and it just happens to be hooked up to an electric some a, a, a what is it? A something that electrocutes them. He like hooks up like a, yeah. a voltage, like a like a battery. So they to grab it. it, and they're both electrocuted, and basically their faces just turn, you know, black, and they're dead. I mean, she just is like seizuring and sparking, and her face is charred. One here's one thing that with this kill scene, it's one thing I noticed, and I mentioned it a bit earlier, but it's this is one of the things that I wish the movie gave me a little more of is there's a few times that you kind of see you kind of have to conclude almost that characters have been 
dispatched. You know, like with Frank, you see the way they edit it, it looks like he rolled yes. off of her. It looks almost like I thought he was going to be fine. I thought he was going to like show up and be naked, and the rest, which I've been fine with. Uh, <laughs> but then same with like, like I said, with like Susan, like, you know, the way they, they, they set that up, I thought there's going to be more to it. And then I don't remember seeing anything come from it. So it, there's a few times and maybe it was just editing choices, being an independent you know, 80s slasher. I can't really hold anything against it, but there's a few choices they made that um, just felt incomplete with some of these kills. And not to say these aren't good kills and not to say they're not well executed, but there's a few things where I just, um, I feel like it's just missing like that cherry on the cake. You know what I mean? And that's not all of them. It's not all the kills. It's just one or two here or there. I I agree. There's another one that's problematic um, as well. Uh, And I think it's, um, God, I'm trying to remember these characters' names. Nancy. Nancy. Yeah, Nancy. yeah, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. she runs outside and falls into a, I guess, a pit, like a cesspool. A shit bath. It's a, cesspool, <laughs> a little cesspool that just happens to have no cover on it or anything in, the, in a schoolyard. <laughs> what? Whatever. So she falls in, and it doesn't look like it's that deep. Okay, so yeah. she falls in, and as she's climbing out, Jester Marty just comes and like uses his foot and pushes her back down. And then we just assume she's dead. Drowned. But she yeah. was able to get climb up I, the first time. So, and he, he just pushes her down and walks away. Right. Like doesn't give her any time to make sure she's dead. So I'm wondering how did she right. drown that quickly? Well, and I think like there's even things that they chose like this in the sense of like the production value with that, where it's like, a, what is it? Is is it like literally like a sewage? Like, is it where the shit from the school is going? Like, I don't understand exactly what it is, but okay, I'll buy it. She waddles outside. She's somehow able to get outside, first of all, which is an issue. They're like all struggling to get out of the building, but she's able to get out. She pathetically stumbles like yeah. five feet and falls into this hole. And then I'm like, uh, she's she's trying to climb out. And like, if you notice like the like the the faucet or whatever it is is like smoking so they're trying to imply that this thing is like hot Mm -hmm. i guess like so she's like struggling to grab onto it but like it doesn't go anywhere it's not like it's burning her you don't see her hands are singeing it's just very like confusing i don't know i don't know what they're trying to give us with that sequence and so yeah he puts his foot on her head he pushes her back down but like it's not like she's it didn't seem to me like she was really drowning in there so did he just like did she just I don't know. I don't know how she died. I really, I don't know how. I don't know. I don't either. Maybe she's not dead. I don't know. She's still in that. Well, well, we can only hope because she was not the most annoying character. That's a lie. Nancy was horribly annoying and I really wanted her to die. When she starts crying. (laughs) But, um, we can leave, right? Like she's like losing her shit. No, but, um, so yeah. And then you're, you're down to, you know, the last few characters, which are Carol and, uh, skip. And, Mm-hmm. they're yeah they're just kind of they're there <laughs> but uh i do like the sequence with when skip gets uh you know you, you see him get put he's in a noose and yep. marty actually kicks the chair out and, and he hangs him but he gets he breaks free okay yeah and then you get that really cool i mean if the film has anything that actually is really good about it it's the it's the kind of the final chase scene between Carol yeah. and Marty. There's some really effective stuff there. It's it's a chase scene that goes on quite a long time, which I'm a big fan of chase scenes and slasher yeah. films. And this one's pretty damn good. 
Um, there's the one, there's the part of the chase scene where she's on the stage and she's kind of hiding behind the curtains that really reminded me of the scene with Courtney Cox in Scream 2 when she's in that like soundstage thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's that same very, very, very similar. Yeah. And also, I, I saw the influence. You had mentioned this in the, when we, um, when we reviewed uh, Crown at Midnight, uh, where there's that whole scene with um, uh, the whole thing where it's like he's yeah. he, the, he pokes the, the the spear through the paper, and then you know, and then it comes up behind her, and he does the same thing. There's that moment where you see the spear kind of getting stabbed through the curtains, and like you can kind of see influences that have lent to other films in in that chase sequence. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a few moments within the. Um, the the chase sequence that like were typical tropes like the whole thing with she has the bat she's beating him and then she just drops it and runs and I'm like Carol God damn it like just kill him but like uh, you know at the end of the day like it's it was effective at least made Carol feel like a final girl you know it really did yeah because like I said her character throughout the film is is just very blasé about everything. Um, until it comes down to her being sort of the last one left. And then she does get to do a little right. bit um, more with, with, with the character and the performance. But yeah. And then, but there is the, the, there's the scene where she is, she accidentally kills poor Skip. <laughs> yeah. That I did not see that coming. That was pretty, uh, that was a good twist. And it made me, I want to say like bummed me out because like you know they're all all these characters are kind of assholes. But um, after he survived that whole news sequence, I really was like expecting something big to come from it, and then boom, like you just get an axe to the face, and it was like it was a startle moment where I was like, oh my god, wow, they totally got me with that. Uh, it came out of nowhere, you know. Yeah, because she thinks it's Marty. She because she she's hiding behind the corner of of the hallway, and she hears him coming, and she thinks it's Marty. So she she gets the axe from the uh, fire extinguisher and just or the yeah. hatchet and just whacks him in the face, and it ends up being poor Skip. Um, and yeah, so and then she runs into the uh, well. Th- there's another scene where she pushes him over the balcony, and he falls on the floor. And then instead of like doing the normal thing, like you know, making sure he's dead, she throws the spear down to him. It's like here, Marty, in case it's the javelin. Here, Marty, in case you're right. not dead, here's your weapon back. You know, um, right? <laughs> I was anticipating him that him being dead though. Like I will say this: I really at that point I was like that broad just pushed him through a glass window, and he just fell. What I, I mean, a rather from a great height. <clears throat> I would have expected at least for him to be like severely injured, but no, he just said he was fine. He's he, fine. Was, he was unfazed by that entire fall, which I did not expect, but you know what? Horror movie rules are always different from reality. So, yeah. Well, and then she runs into where it all started. And I think that's kind of so poetic that the, you know, that it ends with <laughs> the woman's locker room. Yeah. Oh, a word I would lend to this film would be poetic. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But she hides in the same shower that they kind of t- tormented him in, in the beginning. And he comes in and this actually surprised me the first time I saw it. He kills her. I mean, he stabs her through her stomach with the javelin. And yeah, I, I didn't expect that to see that happen, you know, because right. Very few final girls in 80 slashers actually died. Yeah. Uh, I can only think of maybe a, a couple um, where yeah. that, where it seems more, it seems more common now because it's like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to, you know, 
throw a twist in and kill off the final girl. But in the eighties, that really didn't happen. You had, you had splatter university and maybe the dorm that drip blood were the two that I can think of where the final girl actually is killed. And this one. So it was kind of shocking. Yeah. 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 And another thing that honestly shocked me, like I was anticipating, maybe I'm giving this movie more credit, but (laughs) I was anticipating a twist. I was anticipating that it would not be Marty because Mm -hmm. that seemed so heavy handed. You know what I mean? Like the, the fact that like all signs point to him and there was no other real red herring. Um, but like, I guess, you know, at least we knew what we were getting into with the reveal. Cause like he comes around the corner and it is, it is Marty and he is burned. And like, it is exactly as you would, were told it would be. Well, and I mean, there's I, no I twist. Uh, there were, yeah. And it, I think it was very, you know, intentional because even the tagline of the film, if you remember the, the kind of the, this film probably has one of the most memorable uh, box arts of any film from the eighties with the skeleton yeah. holding the, the apple with the um, fuse lid on it. Right. And the, the tagline is even Marty majored in cutting classmates. So I don't think they were trying to hide the fact that it was, it was Marty, but the whole ending of this movie has always confused me because yeah. I, I, and I still don't know what to think because you know, the ending of the film after he kills Carol he kind of casually is like, oh, cool. I, they're all, I showed them. And then he tries to leave, and they're all zombies now. And they've come back. Yeah. They're, they're, they, they attack him. All the dead. And oh, my God, are these actors committed to being zombies? Oh, they love it. Yeah. They've been waiting for this the whole time. You know what is the most committed beyond the actors is Carol's hair. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Carol's zombie hair took me by surprise. She rose up and it just kept rising. Like it was hair after hair after hair. And then it was her face. And I was like, I'm noting this as a gay man. Uh, (laughs) This this has got my attention. So yeah, that whole ending, um, you know, obviously it goes into like this dream state. Um, And you, that, and I think the one thing that kind of does kind of clue you in a little bit is like the coloration, the lighting, Mm -hmm. the set, the smoke, you start to realize like something's a bit off. And then you have that whole reveal that he wakes up in the hospital. Like this has all been like a drug induced dream sequence for him. Okay. Uh, I've always... (laughs) (laughs) You seem exasperated. (laughs) I've always, but I've always wondered, was this, was this a dream? Or I think it was I, how I took it was that he was having like this, he was on these pain meds from the skin grafts. Cause you keep hearing about this, you know? And so uh, what I gathered is, you know, he's starting to like come to, and that's why everything kind of goes into that pink and red and becomes really like far out. And mm-hmm. then he wakes up in the hospital and the nurse is talking to him, you know, and then he ends up, but he does end up killing the nurse and putting a syringe in the doctor's eye dressed as the nurse so like obviously he has intentions to kill you know i just think i do think that this was him kind of like having this mental this break this mental break while he's on these meds because he obviously is in excruciating pain because his face is horribly disfigured by a bottle of nitric acid (laughs) so yeah i thought i mean i it's i guess yeah i mean i i've thought that it was the whole film you know of him killing all the, 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 his classmates off was a dream. But then in yeah. other readings, you know, if you read something about the film or you go to like the Wikipedia page, or the IMD it plays it very straightforward. Like, Oh yes, he really does this. So I've always been like, okay, I wonder if this is a dream or not, but anyway, either way, it, it yeah. doesn't make the film, it doesn't take anything away from the film. The film is still, I mean, it's a, it's a piece of 1986 slasher, you know, 
nostalgia. Gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gold. Absolutely. It, diamonds. <laughs> a diamond in the rough. But um, uh, that ending, even like with him, like looking at the camera and peeling the skin yeah. off and everything, like they knew exactly what they were doing with this whole film. Like they've, from beginning to end, they were not trying to give you um, refined cinema. They were giving you pop, like Z grade popcorn entertainment. And they do a great job with it because i was never bored with this film it's never like i was like oh let's keep moving the yeah. the beginning of the film does move a little slow in the sense of like after you have aside from you've got that you know the whole sequence the reveal of him um with like the the classroom catching on fire and everything there's a bit of a time period there before like it's like 35 minutes mm-hmm. before you got like the first kill but um, it's one of those things like, what could you, you know, you've got you've to get the storyline out there. Like, it's a pretty, I don't want to say complex, but you've got to get all the characters together in the same location. You've got to establish that they don't know exactly what's going on. It's a lot of fucking characters, you know? So, so I understand why it moved the way it did. And they gave you some fun scenarios of, like, making these characters kind of likable. Like, the whole scene of Skip picking up Nancy. At first, I thought Nancy's character was really likable. Um, unfortunately she mentally declined throughout the course of the film <laughs> and that was horribly annoying, but overall, like they did their best to make these characters relatable and likable and fun. And I did enjoy for the most part, all of them, which is not the case with every low budget horror movie I see. No. Well, you know, and, and that one of their big things with advertising the film is that it's, you know, from the makers of Friday the 13th, because I think one of the couple of the people that produced the original Friday the 13th produced this right. film. So, right. and then they used, you know, the same composer to get that kind of coverage. 80s score that is very reminiscent of Friday the 13th in some, in some spots of the film. Yeah. It sounds, you can tell it's very, it's the same composer. But yeah. I also love the fact that, you know, besides the characters, I, I feel like the film, does a really great job of creating a really tense kind of creepy atmosphere throughout it with, with the school setting and uh, the jester mask. Yeah. The um, shape of the jester mask, like when they use shadow play, they'll yeah. do a lot of sequences where they'll see, like you'll see in a doorway, it'll be lit from behind and you'll see the shadow, the silhouette of the jester and he'll like bop out of the way. Like it, it, they define a very specific like energy for the killer and a very specific tone and I really appreciated that because that was consistent from the beginning when they started introducing the jester. Um, so yeah, no, I think they did a great job with like the the lighting and the mood and the whole location. It was very what much I think an inspiration in my mind. I think this had to have some inspiration on the movie Night of the um, Night of the Demons. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Yeah. In the sense of like the location, the shadows. You've got this group of individuals in this abandoned building. It's very dark. Like just that kind of energy. Um, you see how this movie probably went on to influence other films, other independent films that came after it, because it does some of these things pretty well. It really does. Uh, it was extremely entertaining, very fun film. I understand completely why this would be an influential film for you as a fan of this, you know, of this genre of slasher. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely, I think, you know, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, as far as quality wise, it's probably not one of the best films of the eighties, but it certainly right. is one of the, it certainly fucking is one of the most entertaining slasher films. Yes, of the it 80s. Is. Um, yep. So you got to give it huge props for that. Um, yep. You know, and you know, Hey, it created its own rules. April fools ends at noon. So <laughs> then now we know. No idea. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm glad you enjoyed it because I really, when you told yeah. me you hadn't seen it, I was like, oh boy. 
what is he going to think of this? But you know, I, I feel like I feel like audiences, like younger audiences, like maybe teenagers today, would could not watch this and and, and yeah. be entertained by it because it's it's so eighties and just so absurd absurd. Um, yeah, and unless you've you know grown up with the eighty slashers as an influence, I feel like yeah, this one this one is probably not one I would recommend to like a. You know, if I had one of my students, because I work at a high school, if I had one of my students that I found out was a horror fan, and it's like, hey, can you recommend, you know, some good 80s slashers? I, I, this is probably not one I would recommend because of just, it's it's a little absurd. And I don't think that they would necessarily get it. Um, yeah, it's it's not necessarily aged well. No. However, if you're somebody who looks for movies that have, uh, you know, fall under that category, then this is probably right up your alley. You know, yeah. if you like hokey 80s slashers um like uh like a return to horror high or anything like that you know um this is going to fall in line with those movies you know that sticky cheesy like it, not at all a believable scenario nor are these uh, and i find I, well, I find this film infinitely better than return to horror high i have never liked that film um, yeah, I you know I I own it and I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know I've, why I own it. I've tried to to, to yes. find some appeal in it, but I just can't. But yeah. Slaughter High, yeah. yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Roger. I'm glad you got it. You got joy from watching Stella and her vaudeville, you know, oh. personality. I found my Halloween costume. Yes, I, I told Stella you in that fur jacket with the occasional southern drawl. <laughs> <laughs> Talk. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, but that's Slaughter High. So, yay. Yeah. Thank Another you for opening my eyes. Oh, well, I'm sure it'll be on your uh, repeated <laughs> viewing list. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. That was good fun. Good fun, for sure. I, I totally get the appeal in it. That is right uh, right in line with my kind of uh, throwback movie, for sure. Yeah. But um, and let's next, ne- you're picking the next one, too, right? Yeah. And you know what? I thought I, I think I mentioned to you a long time ago what I wanted it to be, but I kind of changed my mind. Yeah. Because oh, you changed your mind. I changed my mind. It's a okay. this is a, the film that I want to do next is, is one of well I, I won't get into it. I won't say anything because I don't want to spoil it. But it's a film that I haven't seen covered, um, oh. and it's I I feel like it's really it it kind of falls in line with Slaughter High because it's about a group of people that that get trapped in an abandoned or not an abandoned but get trapped in a in a building, um, and are being okay. picked off you know one by one. Okay, and, it, and it's from the same time period. It came out in 1987, and okay. it is Stage Fright slash Aquarius. Oh my goodness! I was just watching a scene from Stage Fright recently. Yeah, um, excellent. Stage Fright. I'm jotting it down so I don't forget. Wonderful. It's, yeah, you know, uh, I'll tell you something about that. I've never seen that one in, in entirety either. Oh my gosh! Okay, I can't wait. I've heard really great things, though. I have. I've heard. I've heard very good things about this film. Well, it's directed by Michael uh, Sylvia, who is a kind of a kind of a branch off of Dario Argento. He worked with Argento, I believe. So yeah. it's it's. I feel like it's just kind of a good film to do around Halloween time, and okay. it ties really well into Slaughter High because it very much is a group of people trapped in a building being picked mm-hmm. off one by one. Yeah. Um, and I. I I just haven't seen this film discussed on another horror podcast. So I'm like, Hey, this would be a good one to, to, to discuss with Roger because yeah, I think you'll, you'll enjoy it and, and find a lot of um, maybe 
value in, in, in what it did for the genre in the late eighties, because it is one of kind of the last eighties slashers to come out because I think it came out in 87. And by that time, the slasher genre was certainly, you know, not in the greatest shape. Right now, correct me if I'm wrong. Was there not a, a, a remake within the last like ten years of this, or did they just no, use the same? There title? wasn't. They used the same name. They have zero to do with yep. each other. Um, gotcha. Okay. Noted. 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 Yep. So check Good it out, know. and we will yeah. be, we'll discuss it, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Ex- excellent. I can't wait. I, I've, this is one that's always been on the, my to do list. I've just never gotten to it. I mean, I think the visuals, even like the costume, like that owl mask and everything, yeah. is just really striking. And uh, I, I can tell this is one that's going to tickle my fancy just because of what I've seen of it. It, it seems uh, when you say Ar- Argento, you, you see it in, like the color pops and, and the lighting and everything. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited to watch and it. Easily, and it easily has one of the most probably tense, suspenseful scenes in slasher history. Yeah. Um, excellent. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait, man. Awesome. Well, that's something to look forward to for us and for our, the fans as well. Um we definitely hope to kind of get on a, a regular schedule um, of yeah. you know getting these episodes out because I'm excited for your next couple picks. So, oh, I've got I've got them. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited. All righty. Yeah, but leading up to the next one, I um I I do want to remind everybody again that Teacher Shortage is coming out on DVD. Is it on the 26th? Is that correct? The tw- uh, October 27th, just in time. 27th for Halloween. Just in time for you to have it rush ordered to your home for Halloween. <laughs> you got you got a few days, guys. Like I expect you to all order it. Yeah. Next day delivery and watch it by Halloween. And I expect all of our fans to follow up and let us know what you think. I'm very excited for it. We want to see your selfies holding the the DVD. Please, please okay. make us feel important. <laughs> Stroke our egos. Um. Yeah, definitely. And um, I do want to acknowledge also uh, for all of my zombie fans, my film Rebirth is about to premiere uh, on October 25th here in Cleveland. We're having another screening on October 30th, uh, and we've sold out the October 25th screening. So we just added another one on Halloween because we're selling enough tickets to do so, which is a great feeling. So if anyone is a Romero fan or a zombie fan, uh, it is a modern reinterpretation of Night of the Living Dead. Uh, we're kind of tackling the modern social commentary, uh, much like the original did in 1968. We're tackling some of these really relevant issues uh, that are pummeling us in the face every single day. Uh, so so why not give it to you with flesh-eating zombies? Well, I'm so excited to see this because, you know, we have, you've, we've been, you know, friends for several years now. Uh, and I, I've, I've been following the progress you've been sending you've through the, for the last couple of years, you've been sending me clips and things to get my opinion. And I've been just blown away by how great everything looks. So I'm Thank super you. excited for you. And I'm super excited to see this final project because everything that you've Thank sent you. me or everything that I've seen you post just looks really, really great. Awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a huge Romero fan. I'm Night Let Me Dead's my favorite film. I wanted to be very respectful of the material. Material, so I just wanted to do the best I could, and uh, I'm very proud of the final product. I'm very excited for you to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for the fans to see it, much like I'm excited for them to see Teacher Shortage. So there's a lot of things for you guys to look forward to coming from us, and uh, it's nice to have things coming out as filmmakers because yeah. this year I wasn't sure exactly what we'd have going right. on, but you know what? Somehow, some way, we've been able to be creative and 
create art and still produce art and make it happen. So that's a, a good feeling. And know? I will, yeah. And you know what? I will just say this, um, and then we can kind of wrap it up. You know, I'm I, I'm the festival director for Houston Horror Film Festival, and we still plan on having our festival next year in June, um, yep. June 25th yep. through June 27th. And I was just talking. We, we just opened up the submission period in the first week of September because we had our first festival, but we had, we transitioned it to to virtual, like almost all festivals this year have done. So we opened yeah. up the submission period, and I was I was telling my co-director Tony Rodriguez, I was like, I I'm just worried that we're not going to get a lot of submissions because I don't think stuff has been being made because of quarantine. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. We already, it's October. Our submission periods has only been open for a month and we've already had, we already have almost 50 submissions. Yeah, man. That's the one, I think the one glorious thing about this last year is as rough as it's been, it has been a creative uh, stimulant for a lot of people. I think we are um, moved to create art because if we don't, we're going to lose our fucking minds. So um, I think it's honestly been uh, a reason for people to get up off their asses and out of their houses and go out and within, you know, within uh, COVID, uh, with, while we're still respecting, you know, distancing and regulations and so forth, managing to make art at this time has been pivotal. Yeah, for people, oh, I, agree. I think it's been healing for people, to be honest, and I, I'm thankful for it. People are doing sure. a phenomenal job. I, I can just tell by several of the submissions that people are definitely yeah. taking issues that, oh, yeah. that we're currently, um, you know, dealing with and, oh, and yeah. turning it into film. I mean, we have a couple films that are definitely very, seems like influenced by the Trump era um, and oh, yeah. the, the quarantine era. So it's really in, cool to see filmmakers doing that and, and being able to, yeah. to bring that to the you know forefront. And yeah. Yeah. They always say the uh, that the greatest art comes from the darkest times, you know, and we are in dark times. So I uh, I anticipate to see uh, some very great art over the next couple of months, couple even couple of years as they start to, you know, trickle out after all of this. I think this is going to be a really good time for for filmmakers and artists and, in general and beyond. So just a matter of getting it out there. <laughs> all righty. Well, that was our episode on Slaughter High. I hope you enjoyed yeah. it. We are going to wrap up, um, and you are going to join us for our next episode on Stage Fright. Yeah, another film, Stage Fright. Another film that Roger hasn't seen. I love picking these films <laughs> that Roger hasn't seen. I yeah, like well, them. keep them coming, man. You are opening my eyes to some both wonderful and horrible cinema, and I love it. <laughs> well, right, you, man. you have a great rest of your day, Roger. And Thank you. We will, be in, we will see you or... Talk to you all soon. Engage with us in the Facebook group and, and yeah. Share Peace with out, your guys. Wife. Yep. Have a great one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.